Um, that guy's a hack, man. I know. I know. Ray Hayden, <laughs> shout out. Uh, that was a great... Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. This episode is sponsored by Thing. The Seattle Theater Group and Sasquatch Festival founder Adam Zacks present Thing. From August 26th through the 28th at historic Fort Warden in Port Townsend, you can enjoy a vast musical lineup, including Jungle, Modest Mouse, Father John Misty, and many more. The Thing Festival features two primary stages overlooking the Puget Sound, not to mention a variety of camping and parking accommodations. You can either book a one-day or three-day pass, and kids 12 and under are free, making this an event for the whole family. Come enjoy live music, art, and beautiful Fort Warden with us. To find out all the details, visit thingnw.org. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Sky Warden. Sky is involved with the Live It Out Loud program. There, I said it right. Live It Out Loud. Yay. Sky, (laughs) why don't you tell our audience a bit of your backstory before it it crosses over into the Live It Out Loud program? Oh, man. Uh, On the spot. Uh, So I have been a musician uh, for about 20, 25 years so or so since I was young. Okay. Um, I've been a professional musician for about the last 10 years in that I have only done things music related for my income. Um, okay. So I've done, you know, I've I, I worked at studios. I've, uh, uh, I do live sound. I work, I play in bands. Um, my, uh, my main projects right now um, are a band called Abney Park, which is a, uh, sort of eclectic niche steampunk band and uh we get to travel around to do cool steampunk events and stuff like that um i'm also in a goth industrial band called dk zero which is a little on the heavier side um i guessed with a solo uh goth industrial artist named nuda when i can be at the show because i sing in one song she's normally a, a solo instrumental instrumental artist um okay. but uh she's had a few guest vocal vocalists and i have been fortunate to be one of those guest vocalists um i'm working on a new band right now called uh uh, uh fade to gray or blur to gray more than name, name my own band uh, yeah, blur to gray. <laughs> yeah. uh d- that's going to be produced by uh d-punk of dk zero uh cleopatra records so i'm excited about that um uh, I used to be in a band uh, locally called Amadon um, back in the day. Um, so any local Tacoma peeps might remember that from five, seven years ago. Oh, yeah, so, it's been a while. With COVID, <laughs> yeah. that does sound just like yesterday, you know, because none of us have seen anybody for like two years. So it was like, yeah. I know, yeah. right? So it's, it's uh, yeah, so five years. There you go. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, also locally, I was uh, at one point signed to Marisa Fish Records um, as a solo oh. artist. Um, that guy's a hack, man. I know, I know. Ray Hayden, shout out. Uh, that was a great, you know, it was, it was a great launching point for me at the time because yeah, I was pretty young yeah. and I had just kind of come into the music scene and Ray introduced me to a whole bunch of people that I still talk to and hang out with and work with. So 
Um, that's the, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, but that's like the the Ray Hayden story. He's introduced me to a lot of people that I still hang I out with. I, he's <laughs> I he, it's he's awesome that way, you know. So but yeah, anyway. so it's it's the the Ray Hayden part of the Tacoma music scene is rather vast. Um, the people is. that know Ray Hayden uh, at least in some capacity, um, but you know, it's for good reason. He gets out there and meets people. So um, he does. So uh, yeah, I taught music. Uh, uh, private lessons i taught guitar for over a decade um Mm -hmm. between um 20 or 2009 ish to 2019 Mm -hmm. uh i worked at a a place in gig harbor called all-star academy still there one of the best uh i think private music schools kind of collection of all kinds of teachers they have drum teachers horn teachers strings guitar you name it they you know there's about two or three hundred students that roll through that place every week um teaching music so it's quite a a big hub of uh, of teachers i'd I'd say like ted brown would be the next biggest one or maybe even bigger i think there's a lot of students got ted brown and that's where i'm doing now so i'm working with ted brown music um on uh with live it out loud that's kind of my main gig um right now so well, well, I also make music videos. You also make throw that on the slide. Well, so you don't do very much, is what I'm taking. I'm gathering. You no, no, I'm not super busy. You know, I keep. I, I try to keep uh, keep a nice, relaxed pace. I'm, you know, I, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah. No, so, and I'm definitely how, not sarcastic. Not, no, no, not at all. So, no. first off, help me out here. What is a steam steampunk themed band sound like? Uh, so Robert, our singer is much better at describing this than I am, but I'll do my best. Um, it's, it's, uh, basically like if you think about steampunk as a whole, right. So it's, it's, you know, technology, but like technology is if it came in a hundred years ago. Right. So like a, a, basically a reinterpretation of the world as it would be if it was like Victorian style thing. So big brass cogs and you know goggles and the whole steampunk vibe uh musically speaking it's like uh you know we have like modern dance beats um modern pop songwriting styles mixed with old style victorian songwriting styles and classic classic uh like folk type of stuff um as well as like electro swing so like that's basically like big brass band but with big electronic beats um so it's like you take sort of old school goth and you add like violin, viola, brass, uh, darbuki, bazooki, what accordion, are those? electric what guitar, are those? all of it, all of it. Piano. What is it's, a bazooki? A, a bazooki is, um, a basically like a, an octaved up mandolin. So it's tuned the same. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's bigger, longer, eight string still, um, chord structures are, you know, chord, forms are the same and stuff like that but it's got a it's got a more like um eastern sound to it it's not as it's not as irish sounding at all okay, you know okay. it's got a very different sound um but uh yeah so so uh you know robert the lead singer he plays four or five different instruments throughout the show i play just guitar mostly um on recordings i've played acoustic guitar and mandolin and uh um uh tenor guitar which is like a four string guitar okay. um but yeah, so so it's a it's a pretty eclectic uh, sort of style of music. It's, and when we do shows, it's kind of like party band. Like you know, we're we're very like upbeat. You know, keep mm-hmm. keep things rolling type of thing. So it's you know that's that's sort of the vibe. It's it's a, a mix of a bunch of different things. But there's huge fan base in Europe. 
um, for it. You know, uh, we've been we've we've done very well in Russia, ironically. Um, wow. we, we were actually planning to go to Russia this year, but uh, we're probably not gonna because well, uh, don't think can't. that's a wise move right now. No. Not really. No, so, uh, but I mean, you know, you know, talking on that, like the the fans that we have over there are, are people that are awesome, you know, and right, right, and it's kind of frustrating, especially when we have so many personal friends and fans that live in Russia to see what what's going on over there and what they're going through and stuff like that, and they can't really do anything about it because it's not up to them and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, well, so Europe th- in general, I mean, we do well in Germany and all those all those sort of dark, cold places. <laughs> How did you get involved with this? How did this band come about? So it's been around for a long time, actually, over 20 years. um, And uh, sort of quintessentially the first steampunk band, really. So if you look up steampunk band, like they made, they defined the the, the genre, basically. Okay. Um, uh, Famously, uh, T-Pain actually even stole Robert's look for a photo shoot, like his microphone and everything. (laughs) Like, Oh, wow. For like the steampunk lead singer, that's, I mean, Robert made made the whole thing. So um, it's got some history to it and got a, quite a dedicated fan base. I got involved um, in 2016 um, through a friend of mine, actually a local, actually a Tacoma cat, uh, Derek Brown. I don't know if, if you know him or not, but I don't uh, know him. He, he played bass for uh, bands like uh, Ben Union, Fame Riot, um, and, and a bunch of other local bands. Um, but also he was in a band called Doxology, I think, from back way back when. Um, okay. I think that might have been a Seattle band. But anyway, so he's got a lot of pedigree in the Tacoma area. And um, I played with him a lot at a um, at a blues jam at the Stonegate, which was run by uh, Rafael Tranquilino, if anyone knows that. Uh, very good guitar player, very good blues guitar player. And I went to that. That jam was like a mile from my house, so I went to it all the time. Um, and at a certain point, Derek sort of took over being kind of the bass player that was on hand for that jam. So I played with him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And we became kind of friends, not super close, but we we, we knew each other and stuff like that. And um, so randomly, I was at this party and he walked up to me. He's like, dude, I have a band. You're the guitar player. I'm like, all right, what's the band? <laughs> and this was actually DK Zero. So the band I'm still in now, um, he was working on this sort of goth industrial thing and he knew that I kind of had that flavor in my playing and um he was like dude you're like the perfect guy for this band you're 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 it don't even argue with me so I'm like all right so I start recording with DK Zero and uh about the same time um Abney Park's guitar position opened up and uh Derek was already playing bass for Abney Park and uh so when that opened up he's like dude you gotta you gotta get Sky Sky's like perfect for this and not to toot my own horn, but just because of the way my growing up, my history was, Abney Park is kind of perfect. I grew up, grew up playing like Irish uh, songs and folk songs with my with my family, my grandparents. Uh, we did a lot of like you know, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, was it Galloway stuff and like Chieftain stuff and you know, a lot of. Uh, a lot of classic folk songs too. Like I would play a lot of like Elvis and Hank Snow and stuff with my grandfather. And there's like a country element to Abney Park too that comes in as well. So, and being that like, I also like to play rock and metal and other, you know, goth industrial stuff. Uh, There's all of these flavors that Abney Park has. Like the the scope is pretty wide and, and the musical influence is pretty wide. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll have like, Turkish folk as the basis of a song and then go straight oh, everybody into everybody like, knows Turkish folk. 
Yeah, and you'll go right into a, a you know a Rammstein version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? So like, <laughs> there's a lot going on. It's good. Don't. No, it, I. It I, seems I, like it would be weird, but it's actually good. Um, it's 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 okay. It to me, it sounds weird, but in the most intriguing, like I want to go see this sort of way. Right. Like I want to experience this. Very popular yeah. cover. People love it. Yeah. Bang, bang. No, that that would be cool. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, so so I I, um, I auditioned for Abney Park, and I was the only guitar player that they ended up auditioning. They really liked my playing style, and I started doing some recordings, and um, just been part of the band ever since. So, so that's okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> we could, we could go down so many so many rabbit holes on that, but let's let me bring it back to Ted Brown's program here. How sure. did you get involved? How were you exposed to it? Um, let me ask you this question for, let me say this. Were you a mentor before you started running it? Okay. Yes. So, yes. So how did you get exposed to it as for, as being a mentor? So it's kind of a long story. Um, long, well, not long, long, but longish. So, um, so I was teaching guitar, uh, about that time. I mean, I was, but, uh, I had also done these like, what I called rock sidles with my students where I brought, I, I had them like write an instrumental piece on guitar, mm-hmm. worked with them on that, you know, however many movements, whatever style they wanted to do, like just be creative with this instrumental piece. Cause on guitar, it's like, you know, kind of hard to be a songwriter unless you sing. Right. So, so f- helping them figure out like, you know, music is more than just regular songs. Like you can make a guitar song if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, since I was teaching guitar pr- primarily, that's kind of what we did. So we did all these instrumental songs with these students. And then I brought in a backup band to learn all their instrumental songs. And some of them were weird, right? So these are kids that had never written before. So they just started like making weird stuff and it's kind of fun. And so then I was like, all right, well, my buddy Louie at Louie G's has a big stage. Why don't we ask him for a Tuesday night or something like that and go play these songs on stage with this backup band? And, uh, so we did that a couple of times and, um, uh, the four, the first, uh, director of live it out loud was a guy named Joe Wilson. And, uh, he was looking for mentors within the community and he knew some people and he asked, I think Ray and, and stuff like that to be mentors early on. Um, uh, I think Ray was one of the early mentors. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, pretty so sure he, he yeah, he went up to, to Louie who was, you know, well-known in the community and knows everyone else and uh, asked who, you know, Joe asked him like, Hey, who would you recommend for a mentor? And Louie, and we just not going to do the rock, rock idol. And Louie's like, Oh, well, this guy's already doing it. You should just go ask him. Like he's literally doing the same thing already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also running recitals at all-star at the same time also. Um, and so Joe asked me to be a mentor and my first few bands, I was kind of, uh, the newbie mentor, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, it was, I came in on the second year, I think. Um, and, uh, or maybe, maybe even third year, pretty sure second year. Um, and, uh, so I got to work with some of the, the rockier bands, the more metal bands. Cause that was kind of where, you know, I was seen to be and, uh, it was super fun. And I learned a lot about, uh, working with young bands because, you know, I'd taught a lot at that point, but I hadn't really worked with a band in that context as much. So over the years, I got a lot of really good experience, just like figuring out what the best approach to like helping kids figure this thing out when they have never done it before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so at a certain point, I became this, the oldest mentor in the program because I just kept doing it every year. And uh, they've got a new director, Jessica, who was awesome, um, really helped sort of formally organize the program a little bit more. Um, it was a little bit chaotic in those first years. It's chaotic anyway. It's a bunch right. of kids trying to make music. Well, you're hurting cats. But, Come on, let's right, exactly. So, But Jessica did a really good job of like uh, really nailing down uh, sort of uh, some of the points of the program and like how it should, you know, flow and stuff like that and, and really like uh, getting it organized, which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So when Jessica took over, she she often deferred to me to help some of the other mentors. And she was like, well, Sky's done it a bunch of times. If you get lost, just ask Sky. Um, <laughs> so I would help. I would help with that. Um, and uh, so when Jessica the, decided to move on to focus more on her uh, solo music career, she's doing a lot of touring and stuff. She didn't have time to do the program. Also, she asked me if I wanted to be a mentor or be the director. And at first I was like, oh man, I know how much work that is and how time consuming it is. I honestly was going to say no. Cause like, I, you know, the bands I'm in and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to get away. But on the, on the other side, like we don't really do regular touring where you'll fly out for up a, a gig and then fly back. And that's mm-hmm. the tour. Like we were gone for less than a week. Right. So worst case is I have to miss like one of the shows and I have to have bring in some of the other mentors to kind of help fill that. It hasn't happened yet because we've been in the pandemic, but, um, right. but with that as an option and, and kind of knowing where I was going and, and the fact that I could drop, uh, regular teaching to kind of focus on this, it was sort of a time trade off because get honestly, it's actually easier because my regular teaching out, you know, you schedule 40 people. It's hard to reschedule anything at that point. Right. right. Um, so yeah, so I ended up deciding to, to to go ahead and take take her offer, and here I am. And then the very first year was 2020 <laughs> that I was the director. Okay, yeah, Jessica's she's she's wonderful as well. Yes, um, she's yeah. awesome. Uh, she, do you know Chris Jones? Chris Jones, I know band? of Chris Jones. Yeah, I, so I don't he, know if I've actually met met Chris Jones, but I know yeah, she's been Chris, touring Chris Jones. Right? Yeah, she's been doing this thing called the Redneck Files. <laughs> and um which it, is really kind of fun it's a really fun project and um mm-hmm. we convinced them to come over here to wenatchee for my my 60th birthday party at this cider place which is this great little venue right in you, you say for, your 30th birthday party is that what you say yeah my 30th my 30th times two um <clears throat> thanks um my 59 plus one i don't know whatever <laughs> it's i'm old but it was it was so cold they anyway it was a, it was a just not a disaster, but it was less than optimal. But she, yeah. she, she, and Chris came over, and it was a lot of fun. And and nice. Ray came over, and well, Ray came over. No, just kidding, Ray. Just we love you. <laughs> so yeah, should tell that tell that guy along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's okay. So we we kind of got we're now to where you are present day with the program. So let's let's mm-hmm. go back and let's talk about the program. What's the what's the origin? And for the audience that might not know anything about this we've we talked about i had stephanie howe on last year so that's oh nice. I talk about. yeah mm-hmm. so we we've talked about ted brown before but mm-hmm. let's go back and how did this program get started what's the what's its origin story yeah so uh joe had a vision of uh you know giving tacoma musicians uh sort of an opportunity to get in the mix a little bit early see like 
what the town's about and get on some stages and like meet some people like the mentors also meet each other. Cause some, you know, not everyone goes to the same school and also not everyone's aware of what every other young musician can do and, or is interested in. Right. right. So you create this, uh, um, sort of baseline community, um, among young musicians and that fuels sort of the, the future of the Tacoma music scene, right? So you have mm-hmm. more people that are interested in going to shows. You have more people that are interested in playing at shows. You have more bands being formed. So there's more need for venues. There's more opportunity for, um, for, for events and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of the, the idea of it. And initially it was pretty grand. It was like we were renting out like the Rialto and Pantages for the final shows, um, giant Trinitron screens in the back. Um, there was a lot, there was a lot and it wasn't sustainable for that level, but right. at least initially getting it kicked off, it was, it was uh, pretty grand. And some of the students that got to experience some of that, um, you know, are very memorable, obviously. Um, as things went on, especially as Jessica took over, uh, it became more of like, how can we balance this to be long-term sustainable? we don't spend, you know, $50,000 extra that we don't have, um, for Trinitron screen for, for a night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, we settled into, we did the Rialto a few more times and then we started doing Spanish ballroom, which is, uh, uh, awesome place, um, to have a final show. It's a little smaller, but it's, I think for the, the sake that it's more, I mean, most of these bands are like rock bands, right? Not, not all of them are like metal bands. Right. But, but like at least alternative rock, uh, there's all, there's drums in all of the bands, right. There's guitar and and that's the kind of, that's the kind of bands that are most of the bands. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's been some, uh, some lighter stuff, some more vocal led stuff, but most of the time there's like drums and guitars and stuff. Right. So having that sound system, that's that Spanish ballroom for that final show is awesome. Cause they can kind of feel the, you know, real reality of, uh, how most stages are right. Like mm-hmm. having a, having a monitor tech, having the whole experience of playing on a big stage on something that famous people would play on. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the idea It's like giving, um, and then also the mentors themselves are the biggest part of the program, I think, because most of the time the mentors job isn't done after the program ends. Um, they continue to be a source for information for, um, the, the young musicians they interact with and stuff. And, um, you know, myself included and Jessica included, I mean, Jessica will still answer phone calls from students if they call, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's there's never a time where that, that community element stops. Um, and that's sort of the point. That's sort of the idea. It's not, it's not really about here's the program that you get. It's more like, Hey, we're all in this together. Um, let's do this thing. And then whatever else you want to do, let's do that too. You know, like, and, uh, and a lot of times, you know, the bands, some of the bands will stick together after the program. They'll continue to be the band that they were, even though there's no, program in place for them after that they sort of get the idea of how things work and they'll start going booking shows on their own they'll go book like uh, you know community festivals um real art has been a really awesome place for some of our bands to play because it's always all ages um mm-hmm. there are some other you know jazz bones will occasionally have all ages shows um i think uh uh, Dano airport tavern is getting ready to open a new space that may be able to be all ages also. So there's going to be more places for young bands to play. Um, and so having the bands there is going to be a quintessential part of that. And that's so that community element, I think is the 
the most important part of the initial idea of the program is making it all we're all in this together and everyone still communicates and stuff like that. that that's very cool. Yeah. Walk me through how a kid, I guess everyone's a kid, right? How, how the kid, how does the kid get involved? Like how, what's the outreach to let, let the kids in the area know what's going on and then what's the process for them to uh, apply or how, how does that work? Cause they just yeah. don't show up on Saturday and go, I'm here. Right. Um, or maybe they do, but no. Yeah. Shouldn't. So we, we, <laughs> At times we've done more advertising than we have done recently with the pandemic and stuff. It was a little hard to like know what to advertise, but we we've done like uh, there's a uh, there's a, a service called Peach Jar, which basically sends um, you know uh, advertisements for lack of a better word, but it's more like community brochure um, mm-hmm. to schools, right? So so the the schools itself will get the parents themselves will get this email and be like hey here's all everything that's happening you can get your kid involved in um extracurricularly um <clears throat> there's like summer programs and you know other stuff um so we use that and that's that's worked a lot of it's kind of word of mouth um you know the kids don't really stay quiet about being in awesome bands they they tend to tell their friends about it so so they're living um, out loud yeah, they're living it. They're living loud, man. Um, so, you know, like uh, it's been a little bit less word of mouth lately because we we, uh, we had some pretty significant hits to attendance on 2020 and 2021. Um, we are back up a, quite a bit, uh, uh, at least as far as new students this year. Um, which How many is good. students are in the program this year? Uh, 31 this year, which is about 31. Okay. a little less than half of what we were doing pre-pandemic. So we're still building back up. But the thing of it is, is like 2020 and 2021 were mostly students that had done it before. Um, mm-hmm. So they were mostly returns, right? We didn't have a lot of new new kids applying during those years, um, which I think is the biggest hit to this year because we, you know, like a lot of a lot of them will do three or four years of the program because it's between ages 12 and 18, right? So mm-hmm. as you come back each year, uh, you obviously you improve your skills. You, you have already been through the program a few times. So you kind of know the gist of the program, but you also know how to be in a band better, uh, what things you can do differently. And a lot of times you'll end up with a different mentor who's got a different perspective and different things to offer. So you'll learn inherently different things from each mentor. Who's, you know, like we have mentors that sort of, because everyone's their, their own instrument, right? Their own instrumentalist. So we have singers, we have drummers, we have, you know, I'm a guitar player and a singer. Um, and, uh, you know, different mentors were focused on different things. Right. So some mentors would be like, all right, let's get these vocals locked in. Let's like, let's set up some vocal practices. I'm a vocal coach, so I can help with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, and some other mentors would be like, all right, let's work on the performance. So you, you're, you gotta make sure you carry yourself on stage. Let's make sure like we're moving around, we're, we're interacting with each other. Let's get these songs down solid. Um, so different mentors were focused on different things and that's good because you, as you go through the program and you get different mentors, you'll get those different focuses right. um, uh, from those different mentors. And that's, that's why the mentors are the most important part of the program. In my opinion, um, we have some workshops and we have some clinics and stuff. Um, we've had in the past, some really cool people come through, um, you know, some famous people to do some, some workshops and clinics and, uh, and talk to the kids. We've had Pamela Moore, Travis Larson, um, that have come and done clinics and stuff like that. For the last couple of years, we've done less of that, obviously Mm -hmm. just, it's been logistically not easy to do. Um, but also we've, we've kind of focused more on, um, 
practical information um, the last couple couple of years. Um, things like stage etiquette, like all of the parts of the stage, what they're all called, what you should do, what you should expect, what you should not do, what you should try to avoid. Um, you know, we had a whole hour long conversation, you know, that's basically that was just me just like, hey, by the way, don't do this um, or make sure you do this. You know, don't take your symbols off the stand when you're getting your drum set off stage. Take the whole drum set off stage, then pack it. Things like that. Things you would never know unless someone told you. Um, right. Or you got yelled at at by a show, right? <laughs> um, and then, we're, you know, so our next one is going to be demo recording. So what that is, why to do it, you know, what what's the point of doing demo recording versus going to a regular studio or, or whatever, um, how to do it, um, how to go about doing demo recordings and, and stuff like that to demo out your songs and see what they sound like and make changes and stuff like that. Um, we're going to do, I think my favorite one is we do a songwriting clinic. Um where we uh, basically write a song on the spot with, you know, a lot of the mentors are there to help with facilitate that and show like the, the different kinds of processes for songwriting. Cause it's not the same for everybody and there's no right way to do it, but there's a lot of approaches that can kind of help you get started. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of that. And um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the gist of the program. And as far as how they come to come into the program, like I said, it's largely word of mouth and uh, because people can come to the shows pretty much free of charge, except for the last show. Um, you'll have a lot of their friends that just show up and be like, Oh, this is cool. Man. This is awesome. I want to do this next year. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of a mix of stuff. Um, when they sign up, they, we, uh, they, you know, they sign up on the, on the website. Um, it, it's, there's a, there's a small tuition fee, um, that covers everything. Um, be, being that we're a nonprofit, we don't actually have to charge, the amount of the program costs. <laughs> um, and we get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of people that donate, uh, towards scholarships for, for kids too. So if they can't afford the tuition, um, a lot of times that tuition can be covered by some of the donations we get or straight up sponsors. Some people will just be like, I just want to pay for a kid. Can I just pay for a kid? Mm-hmm. We're like, yes, you can. That's great. Yeah, please um, do. So yes, please do. Um, we don't, we, we try very hard not to turn anyone away for money because we're a nonprofit. We don't, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a silly paywall at the same time. Like there's not quite enough to cover the whole thing. So there's a way I have to do the tuition thing, but uh, that kind of lets us do things like um, we go to a a full recording studio, uh, formerly known as mothership studios. Now alma mater studios, which is the studio that's in alma mater. It's an awesome space. Um, I didn't even really know it was there until last year. Um, Took a tour of it. It's a big open studio, great gear in there, professional engineers running it. It's awesome, awesome space. So we're going back into that this year. Um, And uh, yeah. How long does this program run? Um, It's an eight week uh, thing. So uh, this year we're going June 7th to August 7th. Um, Okay. And there's some stuff in the beginning, like we do the uh, evaluations before that. Um, the evaluations are just uh, meet and greet with the with the students, answer any questions, let them know what to expect, hear them play, so that we can kind of get a gauge of their style and ability, and try to match them as best as possible in a band. And that's honestly the hardest part uh, for at least for me <laughs> is trying to make sure I try to get every kid as happy as possible with the bands that they get placed in. Um, cause I definitely want them to get the best experience out of it. And then also pair them with mentors. I think are going to be a good fit for that band, you know, style wise and, and, uh, or what I think they need to hear. Right. Sometimes it's not even 
not even about the right mentors, about the right attitude or perspective, right? Um, some of the more advanced bands may get mentors that, you know, they they could offer them practical things, but a lot of times, like, you know, some we have a uh, mentor, Eddie Mendoza, I don't know if you know him or not, but um, he's got a very, for lack of a better word, spiritual attitude towards music. And mm-hmm. uh, he loves music, like just loves the whole experience of presenting yourself on stage and being expressive and, you know, expressing yourself the way that your true self should be. Um, Cirque mm-hmm. is also kind of similar to that. So uh, more advanced bands benefit more from a, from a mentor like that. Um, whereas like someone like me, you know, I'm a guitar teacher. I'm a little more practical grassroots. Like, let's make the songs awesome. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I'm better with the more beginning bands or intermediate bands and stuff like that. So, um, uh, or at least they benefit, I think the most from, from that type of thing. Um, so it, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah. How so you got a 13 to 18 year range or 18 year old range. So that's, that's a pretty big range, 12, 12 especially. 12 to, 12 to 18. Okay, so well, it's we, even bigger. We actually have taken some younger students that are just flat out ridiculously good, um, particularly uh, a couple of drummers. Uh, Sully, I think he started when he was nine. <laughs> He's just okay. insane. Um, and uh, recently we have this young kid named Matthew. He's 10, and he's just awesome. Um, so, you know, seeing him play and – being that he's, you know, his mom's okay with him playing with older kids because that's going to be the, the case when, when right. he's at his level. And, um, you know, so it's not it's not necessarily a restriction. Uh, 18 is the oldest we'll go for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've taken some younger students that were just really into it before too. So how talented of a, of a musician, what's, is there a threshold that they've got to be at? I mean, musically where do they have to be yeah that's a that's a tough one because we don't we don't really want to turn anyone away that's willing to learn and really wants to dive into it um some of the some of the uh i think some of the talent actually forms in the bands sometimes um if they've got even a basic grasp of their instrument one of the ones that we we try to not do is uh drums because it's really hard when you have a band that's got a beginner drummer that cannot yet hold a beat. So if the drummer can't hold a beat, they can be a percussionist, um, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, doesn't always fly with every drummer that comes in and they may choose not to be in the program at that point, which is fine. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a balancing act of like making sure that the students that come in are individually happy, but also the bands as a whole don't feel like held back by a particular member or something like that. And that creates its own problems. Right. Um, so, so it, it, the threshold is really just like how w- how willing are you to be a part of the band and what in the capacity you are currently capable of being a part of that band. Um, if you are a beginner singer, you probably don't want to be have the pressure of being the only singer in the band. So perhaps you would like to start as a backup singer, add those harmonies, get some of those lines in there, work with someone else that maybe can bring you up a little bit, right? Right. Um, and then by the next year rolls around, maybe you after that experience, you're ready to be the singer of a band. You kind of get the pick up the chops from someone you, you you've worked with that has done it a few more times than you have, and you are now ready to take on that pressure. Um, so it's you know, there's never been a time where I've been like, you're not good enough to be in this program. It's more of like 
so you've you're, you've started out. You're you're you've only been playing for six months. Um, so let's let's make sure you don't feel like you're holding your band back, and find mm-hmm. a place for you in, in in a band that's going to allow you to learn, allow you to get the experience, um, but also uh, not have to take on the full re- responsibility of this position. So um, yeah, it's not really a threshold of having to. It's more so just like trying to figure it out. But the but the the kids, if they're playing an instrument, they at least have to know. Like you don't want little Timmy to come in and go, I want to play guitar and I've never picked one up. That's probably not the right fit. Yeah, there's been there's been a I don't know if I've ever had that. Um I feel like there may have been some some instances of that, but most of the parent most of the time the parents understand what this is, right? So okay. it's pretty obvious like before you sign up that you're getting placed in a band. You should probably know at least a little bit about your instrument. Um, there have been a few times where, like, I think this year, as a matter of fact, we had a, um, a piano player that could kind of play bass. We always short on bass players. And uh, his dad played bass. And so they got him a bass to play bass in the program. And he's learning bass. Now, he's already okay. musically inclined. Right. He has a piano, right? So right. even though he's... Filling in on an instrument he's not uh, as experienced on, uh, he's going to gain some experience pretty fast, and he's going to be able to hold down a rhythm and stuff like that. And plus, right. his dad played bass, so you know, right. I'm sure this is in his blood somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. Right. Um, right. And that that kind of happens too, where we'll we'll ask people to play instruments they're not uh, joining the program with because we either have too many of one or too little of another. Um, a lot of times we have a drastic shortage of bass players um, and we have a lot of guitar players. So we'll ask some of the guitar players, be like, hey, can you play bass? And um, especially if they're, uh, you know, newer on guitar and bass is pretty similar and a little bit easier to hold down, at least initially in that first first year. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not always their their first choice, but with a little bit of uh, convincing, you know, just for the sake of the experience, I, I always tell, I mean, I play bass. I've toured on bass and played, played bass for bands. It's awesome. It's, it's super fun to me anyway. So for eight weeks, how often, so two part question, where are they, where, where is this happening at? Cause you're not doing the Spanish ballroom for eight weeks in a row. So no. where is this happening at and how often do, do they get together? The schedule is um, about, 20 different events or so. Um, mm-hmm. And that's all the clinics and shows and stuff like that. Um, in addition to that, they also have their own practice times. Um, and each band works out their practice times and location on their own. Um, we have a space at Ted Brown where practices can happen. Um, though one of the things we're actually looking for now is more space to have practices. Cause that room is getting very busy with, you know, cause the, the, uh, the, the, uh, brain, uh, the, uh, nonprofit organization, Ted Brown music outreach. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, the nonprofit, uh, also, yeah, also has some other events that they do. They do, um, exploration camps for different instruments. So that's more like, Hey, Timmy wants to try guitar. Come on in for the exploration camp. See if that sticks. Right. Um, so that's like brand new, never played before. See if this is the thing you want to do type of camp. Right. Much shorter, right? So it's only a few days. Um, and they do that for percussion, strings, brass, um, all the stuff that a like a regular school band would have for the most part. I don't think they actually have guitar. Um, 
they also have like improv classes, um, jazz improv classes, um, and a, a few other things. So that room gets used for all that stuff too. So we're tight on space we can offer for the practice, the rehearsals for, for live it out loud. Um, we used to have two rehearsal rooms, um, but we're now also doing music therapy, which is super awesome, but it does take up one of the rooms that we were using, um, for rehearsal. So that's a thing we're, we're looking for for next year is an extra space for rehearsal. Um, but, uh, uh, so they do their rehearsals and uh, there's all the workshops and most of the workshops um, and get togethers um, that we have award shows. Um, uh, we do a performance review or a performance boot camp um, as another workshop. And then we do the meet your mentor meeting um, about, I think about oh, and then all ages jams, which is like a little bit more free form, like bring your instruments. Let's just play um, mm-hmm. type of thing. So there's about, I think 10 to 12 of those kinds of events. And those all happen at real art um, in Tacoma, which has been amazing of them to let us go in there. Um, I, you know, again, like I said, that one room we have, we were also using for all of those. So oh, wow. being that okay. space is getting tight already. Um, and it's also, it's a, rehearsal room it's it's a room in in a office building basically so it's got the fluorescent lighting and the you know the square ceilings and it's not terribly rock and roll right so being able to use an actual venue that like real art that's got like gum on the floor and like you know uh uh, stick stick debris on the carpet on stage and stuff like that you know it's a little it's a little more visceral and a little more like this is this is where we work this is where we work at guys yes this isn't yeah you're not going to be playing a uh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't play office buildings typically. Most yeah, people, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most people aren't playing. You know, on the fifty-fourth floor of an Amazon tower, going up for a lunch break. Yeah, you're not playing there. No, you're you're, you're playing at the. Yeah, the, the, yeah like yeah. you said, the air the airport or the, you right. know, the the club. As soon as you walk in, it's got like a musty smell. And uh, before they turn yeah. on the stage lights, it looks pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like that's the spots. Yeah. Um, so, so real art's awesome. It's it's it is like the quintessential standard venue. You know, size wise, it's not huge. Um, uh, the owner Tom is awesome. He's he's he actually has a really very long history with uh, the Tacoma music scene as far as trying to facilitate all ages um, places to play. He was involved with. Um, uh, viaduct uh, mm-hmm. from from back in the day, and uh, so real art is an evolution of viaduct lineage wise. Um, so it comes from okay. that, um, and he's committed to having all ages. There's no bar in there, you know. It's uh, it's an all ages place um, all the time, and uh, that also makes it a you know as far as like a home base for most of the events, sort of a. I'll say community center, but like, you know, for this community, it's that they're a community center. It's accessible. Like the kids can book that place, you know, and they want the kids to book that place. Um, if they Mm -hmm. have their band do, you know, like some of the bands from last year and some of the bands from years prior play there often, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and they're in the regular rotation of bands that play at that venue because it's accessible. It's, it's, uh, that's where they should be playing, you know, um, bars and regular stuff like that is not usually, not usually where the parents want their kids playing, but there it's like, it's an all ages place. Um, right. So, so there's that. And then we do, uh, we do shows um, besides uh, Spanish ballroom. We have, we have one at real art, um, an actual show is at real art. Um, we have one at uh, alma mater. Um, 
uh, and then we have one at Spanish Ballroom. Oh, and then our first show is actually on uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday, um, which is at Edison Square this year. Um, normally we've done Jazz Bones, but we weren't able to work um, Jazz Bones into the with their schedule this year. Um, so uh, yeah, we're at at Edison Square, which is a new place. It's not necessarily a venue venue, but they're really awesome and they got a good stage set up in there. So that's where we're going to be. Where's that us. at? It's literally across the street from Real Art. It's on the same same road, just right across the street. Um, okay. We did one of our all ages jams there um, recently, and uh, it was great. And the owner's really really nice. Really excited to have us in there. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing this year. Um, and then, like I said, we do recording, uh, which uh, we do at uh, um, Alma Mater Studios, and uh, that's where they record their original songs. So every band is not required, but highly motivated to record an original song because otherwise, you know, what are they going to record in the studio? So that's a big right. part of the, the big part of the program, right? Is writing original music, making your own music in a band, which is what most bands set out to do, right? That's the creative process. It's not about being in a cover band, um, just trying to make a few dimes at some bars. It's about presenting new music into the world and growing that repertoire of music in, uh, coming from the Tacoma music scene and, and bands that are like putting out new things and trying new stuff and doing new sounds. So that's a big part of, that's a big part of the program is an emphasis on writing songs. Then we go record those songs. Um, and we work with an engineer, uh, and then I'm there to help produce so the mentors come in as, you know, extra producers. Um, and, we, you know, encouragers, you know, cause the recording process is very different than any, than any other part of the program. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about that when we do demo recording about what to expect in the, in the, uh, recording process and stuff like that. Um, and then another part of the program we do is interviewing. Uh, and we have, uh, a KISW DJ come down, talk to the kids about what interviewing is, how to present yourself as a band and, you know, what to keep track of, what to, what, what things you should try to hit when you do interviews. Cause I mean, I'm doing one right now. Like it, it happens a lot for, for musicians, um, to go get interviewed for various reasons. If they're going, if they're just showed up in town, local radio station might want to have them on, um, podcasts, you know, huge right now, like tons of tons of podcasts for them to go on and talk about their music. Um, mm -hmm. and then, so then we also do interviews with them. So he will then do an interview with the kids um, and have them practice doing an interview and that gets recorded. Um, they get to, you know, see that interview as part of the, you know, part of the final show, uh, you know, afterwards, after when the final show videos come out their their interviews are included as like precursors to them getting on stage. So, okay. uh, they get That's to see cool. their, the, you know, personalities pop out and, and, you know, feel that out and, and stuff like that. Cause it's a, it's a whole different thing, right? It makes you have to kind of take what you do more seriously than you normally would if you just stand in the back and play guitar where you have to be like, hi, my name is Jeff. Um, I play guitar for the stone willows. Do I have to say anything else? <laughs> you know? And, um, you so that's, should that's have said, my name is Scott, because that's how I would have been. If that was <laughs> it, that would be completely like, that'd be me. Oh my God. It's taken, it's taken me a long time to get comfortable with the interviews. I didn't really do that many of them until my thirties, you know? So yeah. giving these kids like kind of that heads up of like, you know, if you do the band thing, you expect, I mean, I think it happens more now too, because there's more outlets for interviews and there's more people that want to interview bands that come through and are doing interesting things, whether locally mm -hmm. or, or, um, you know, larger spotlight stuff. Um, it happens quite often, really. 
Yeah, to, uh, and technology has made it a lot easier for for people to say do a podcast. It's right. It's really you know the the barrier to entry here is pretty low. Right. Um, yeah. From I, a tech I, standpoint. I did a podcast maybe a decade ago and uh, at the yeah. time it was harder than it is now. Like you like it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's super, super much easier than it was even five years ago. It's right. Just, it, yeah. Show syndication is so much easier than it was. Well, I, th- I think even ago. in the last couple of years with the pandemic, you know, like uh, the online platforms to do interviews have kind of expanded as well. Like we're on one right now. This is great. This right. is awesome. Um, but yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. So, so we have the interview thing and then, uh, we have the final show and then we have a, a kind of a mini awards show, um, where okay. we kind of, you know, hand out some awards for, uh, uh, various things. Uh, we haven't had traditionally, so this is a back and forth thing between, between each, uh, each year and, and each director has a different point of view on this, whether there should be a first, second or third place. Right. Okay. Um, whether there should be a winner, so to speak, of this program, because right. um, there's there's a lot of good and bad on both sides, right? So you have if you uh, elevate one band to be like this is the best band of the year, then the other bands are like, well, what about me? And uh, obviously, that's not the point of the program. Really, the point of the program is community, give them the experience, let them you know grow as as uh, musicians. That's the point. Um, but some kids really like to have something to work for, right? Work towards something right. to like to, to, you know, be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to nail this solo. And then I'm going to, my band's going to get first place. You know, there's, there's some motivation there that definitely comes with that. And, uh, and we've had, I would say more kids than not say that they want there to be a, okay. you know, a first, second or third place. So we kind of brought that back last year without saying first, second or third place by introducing, uh, well, so for so for 2020, we weren't able to have a final show the nor- normal way, right? So it was all right. online. Um, so what we did instead is we did music videos for every band, and we only had six bands, so that was six music videos that we had to produce. Um, luckily, I know a thing or two about doing that. Um, so we we filmed these music videos, and they turned out really cool. And we filmed them all at Jazz Bones, like in different spots in Jazz Bones, upstairs, downstairs, bathrooms. Like we filmed literally every square inch of Jazz Bones. And um, so to continue that element, which I think is a cool element, um, we're last year we said, okay, so point wise, the top three bands will get to do music videos because logistically it's not really feasible to do music videos for every band. Um, mm-hmm it's just not possible. It's too expensive. It's a lot to do. I mean, you know, especially when we get back up to doing like 10 or 12 bands, that's 12 music videos is quite an undertaking. So three eight weeks. Yeah, I know. Well, so that's, we do this as an after part of the program. So after but the still. program ends, uh, between then and November, when we do the release, um, is when we'll film the music videos and mix the, mix the records. That's like that. still a lot of uh, 12 of those in that period of time is still yeah, a workload. Yeah. That's not really sustainable. Exactly. Exactly. So we introduced doing the three music videos thing. Um, but we have, we have, uh, also like, um, best performance, which is, you know, the sort of the top prize, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of overall, you know, uh, best original song, um, best guitar player, best bass player, you know, individual instrumentalists. Um, we've had some other awards in the back, like best hang, you know, like one of the chillest musicians that, that everyone seems to like. So they, you know, the, the musicians among themselves can vote for that person. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, stuff like that. So, 
Uh, so we do that. And then, like I said, we film music videos. Um, you know, we mix the record and then we have, uh, in November, we have a, like a, a music release slash video release. We don't really do CDs anymore because nobody does. Um, but we have the music release party in November and that's sort of the scope of the program. That's kind of the whole thing start to finish. So that's it. See, it's, I think it's an amazing program and everybody that I've talked to that's either been a mentor or, you know, part of it in some capacity. I'm just so impressed with the, the attitude that everyone has that they want to in some way help kids maybe not make the same mistakes that they did learn a little bit faster, you know, yeah. not that you're taking shortcuts, but no, no, let me show you this. Like, for example, you said you don't take your symbols off the stands. You, you move, you move everything off stage. You know, it's just, and it might not sound like a big deal, but it's, it's something that that drummer will do every time they ever play now. Yeah. Every, every single show they'll go, oh, take it all off the stage and then break it down. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, you know, and you're completely right there. It's, it's every time the mentors get together for a meeting, we are always talking about like, how can we be the most helpful? How can we, you know, make the program better? How can we, what can we do? Right. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. like how much money can we make? You know, the attitude, the attitude of this program is in exactly the right spot. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I think I, you know, one of the, one of the things that we've I'm, kind of gotten the opportunity to do is, uh, because of 2020, um, we haven't needed as many mentors. So the mentors we have right now are like the best we've ever had, um, at least, you know, fully. We've had a lot of really, really great mentors, but but there isn't a weak link in the mentorship at the moment. And so being really? able to be... Do you really want to say that? I mean, do we really? <laughs> Raymond Hayden. Yeah, you know, he hasn't mentored in a while. I, 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 he would, yeah. He's welcome to anytime, but... Uh, well, uh, yeah. no, but there's there, and there's, there's other mentors that are, that are out there that, you know, we've worked with before that, that would add to that, you know, same, same list of people, but it's been, um, you know, kind of being able to focus on mentors that have done this a while. Um, and as we bring in new mentors, like we brought in a few new mentors this year, being able to like give them the full rundown and have them see mentors and be able to get up to like where, where they, because mm -hmm. there's also mentorship within the mentors, right? So it's mm -hmm. working yeah. with, working with kids is not easy and every band has its <laughs> own, its own issues, right. To, to kind of com combat and figure out whether it's scheduling problems or if there's just one kid that's really unhappy with the situation or his band or his position in the band and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, the group of mentors we have right now are very good at like not just like fixing the problem, you know, it's more like, how can we help this kid that's having a problem? Like, mm -hmm. what can we do? What does he need? What is his need right now? And how can we facilitate that and make him feel better? Um, we had, uh, you know, one situation where it was just a last year we had one band that just they didn't mesh well, you know, musically. And uh, there was one singer and she, she ended up in a few of those bands over the years where just she's a great singer, like really good. But the band she just ended up with, with just didn't feature her as much as, you know, anyone wanted to see. We were all like, mm -hmm. come on. 
And so what we did, we're like, you know what? Let's just do a song with her with the mentors backing her up at the end of the, at the end of the show last year. So we learned this song that she wanted, always wanted to sing, never found a band that wanted to sing it. It was her last year. She was 18. So she was, she was aging out of the program anyway. So very end of the program, we did, um, uh, what's the name of that song? Uh, not a million dreams, but from the other one, uh, greatest show. Okay. Yeah. That, the greatest show, uh, this is the greatest show. And, um, she killed it. I mean, it was just brought the house down and then the mentors were backing her up. So I mean, we've been around and we've played some things. So like the show went, the song went pretty good. And, um, uh, so, you know, Regan. So, so one of my favorite memories of that is I was playing guitar and Regan was like on tambourine doing backups and just, you know, being on stage basically. And, um, he, he came up to me and he's like, he's like, get that freaking rock star face off your face. <laughs> because <laughs> i was like i was in full rock mode and this this thing he's like he's like he's like what the hell are you doing dude you're like i'm like yeah you're right <laughs> that's funny yeah uh no but i mean so that's that's the attitude that the mentors have though is is like let's figure out a way to to to, to support this person at this time and and you know they're going if they're going through a rough time personally you know that's also something that we facilitate if we can like we're not uh therapist or anything but music is its own sort of version of therapy and even just like trying to help them in a uh it, just in a musical capacity just by being there and being available a lot of times is a big help to some of these kids i mean most musicians have some kind of past that's that's like led them to be life for musicians life for musicians rarely are just like yeah my child was great uh, yeah, I got straight A's in school. Uh, yeah, my college was completely paid for. And then I was like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to be a musician. <laughs> that's, that's almost never the Wait, story. That's not how it goes? No, that's what? almost never the story. It's usually oh. like, yeah, my parents got divorced, uh, you know, and went rock, rocky from there. And that's most of these kids that come in have something like that. And, you know, honestly, most yeah. of the mentors can uh, sympathize and and uh, and be like, you know, yeah, my parents got divorced too and it sucked. And, uh, you know, I ended up on this weird path that led me to all kinds of different problems and stuff like that. But, you know, we can be honest with them and be like, dude, music, you can come back to music and it's, they're always there, you know, and there's people mm -hmm. that you can just play music with and you can get those feelings out and, and, uh, be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, and it's not as bad as it seems, you know, when you're, when you look yeah. at it that way. Let's talk about this year. So 2022, give me a quick overview of, of the bands that you've got going this year. What, what, what are we looking, what, what's, what's there right now, man, there's some really, really, really cool musicians and bands this year. There's, um, um, you know, we're still in our formative weeks. We haven't had our first show yet. So, mm -hmm. um, I honestly don't even know really, uh, cause I haven't been at all the practices they're, they're doing their individual okay. practices. This stage of the program is a little mushy, right? It's a little like everyone kind of goes off and does their own thing. And then when we come to the first show, then we kind of get the idea of what, where things are at. So it's not till halfway through the program that I, even I know, um, obviously I put the band okay. together. So there's some, there's some interesting stuff out there that I'm kind of excited to see. Um, there, like I said, there's that one young kid, uh, Matthew, who's, uh, he's working with Eddie, who's also a drummer. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and, uh, uh, the band I'm working with this year is really, really cool. We're kind of ending up like a sort of a eighties y synth wavy type of vibe, um, with some 
really cool, really good guitar player. Jackson is a really, really good guitar player. Um, uh, he's also, he also didn't get a chance to really like, uh, flourish last year as much that he's in that same band that just, they couldn't, they couldn't wrap around each other as, as well as, as everyone had hoped, you know, and it was, it, it was an unfortunate thing for everybody, but also that's part of the experience, right? So sometimes we try to look at those yeah. as positives either way. So even though the individual members were like a bit frustrated, um, you know, they, so a lot of them came back this year and are getting to do different things. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see the different perspectives, but Jackson's awesome. And, um, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of new, new people this year. So, you know, even though I've met with them individually, like I'm excited to see where they go because I don't know them as well, um, as some mm-hmm. of the people that have been in the program before. So, yeah. All right. What do you think the future is going to look like for the program? What's you're the director. So what do yeah. you, not that you get, you don't have all the control, but you, you get, so you get an input, right? You get to say, yeah. I think we should do this. So what, what do you think? What do you want to see the program look like? Definitely want to get moving forward. Yeah, definitely want to get back up to what we were doing uh, attendance wise, get back up to being a little bit more grand. Like it, it feels a little small, you know, when it's only 30, 30 people. But once it gets back up to 60, 70 people, it definitely feels much more like grand, right? A little bit bigger mm-hmm. feeling. Um, so we want to expand that. We want to bring back some of the, uh, some of the workshops with, uh, you know, semi-famous people locally or, or abroad that we, we know, um, mm-hmm. bring back some, some, uh, speakers to kind of come and talk to the kids a little bit more. Um, the past couple of years has been hard to nail that down, obviously. Um, uh, would like to see possibly expanding it to other areas, you know, um, it'd be an interesting thing because Ted Brown has spots in a number of places. Um, mm-hmm. Though Ted Brown music outreach is not technically Ted Brown, um, leveraging Ted Brown has been what part of the outreach, uh, part of the benefit of the outreach is being able to right. leverage some of the resources of Ted Brown um, directly. For example, like we got uh, new equipment for practice spaces this year um, through a grant, but because Ted Brown, we were able to make that money go a little bit farther because we could get stuff at cost through mm-hmm. uh, through Ted Brown. Um, so expanding the program, uh, to other areas, um, maybe like a North Seattle, um, or a, uh, Yakima, I think there's one in Yakima, um, would be really cool. Even like maybe or- miniature versions of the program to start, right? Like something to kind of get people's feet wet, like taking on a few bands, like mm-hmm. one show, something like that. We'll also love to right. see a, uh, a, uh, a separate program that, that people that age out can go into, um, that may Mm. be something a little bit more monthly. Um, because between 18 and 21, you still, there's still a gap between where you can really go play normally, right? right? There's, there's not really bars or anything. So you're still sort of stuck in the same all ages places in that sense. So having, um, something slightly separate, um, we do, and we do have an all ages jam, which does include that. And that's, that is monthly, um, that we do throughout the year. Um, and we do that at, at real art. So people that are aged out of the program can still come back to that jam. Um, but it might be something that was like, you know, maybe like a three month program or something like that. That's a little bit lighter in scope, but still gets 
you know, still something a little bit more structured than just come to the jam um, for right. those 18 to 21s. Um, something that we can maybe do. Um, and this is just stuff I've thought about for a while. Uh, like, you know, bring everybody together once a month, talk about goals, meet and greet, um, you know, try to set up some bands. Um, people can figure because it will be less like you are in this band and more like, what do you, what, what band do you guys, you're 18, you're adults. Like you guys want to, you want to, are you in a band? You want to form a band? Like something a little bit more like free form like that. And then uh, sort of take it as it goes, figure out some ways to help them directly set up some shows, you know, uh, set up some jams or whatever, um, set up some goals basically. And uh, be like, all right, so we got to, we need to work a half hour set. And so then you have mentors that kind of help you with that and stuff like that to work the larger yeah. stuff. Like, Oh, you need a 45 minute set for this show. Cause the scope of the program right now, it's like 20 minutes tops, you know? So mm -hmm. working that amount of material is already kind of difficult for younger bands. But then when you get to where like, Oh, you gotta do, you gotta do two hours at this festival. We gotta yeah. start making a list. <laughs> right, right. You know, you can't keep playing the same song over and over. Right. And over. You know, or yeah. working on a EP, you know, like working on five original songs and going and recording it or something like that. Um, there's, there's, elements to that are that the program doesn't cover that I would love to see other parts of the outreach facilitate particularly for the 18 to 21. Um, another thing I would really like to see is I know we have some of the, uh, like exploration camps for younger kids. I would love to see a miniature version of live it out loud for like the eight to 12 or maybe even like nine to 12, um, mm -hmm. where it's larger bands, maybe simpler, simpler songs, um, things where they can work their way into the, the main program from, um, with some sort of foundation in the structure of a band and coming from a place of like making music together, staying on time, learning your instrument, giving some motivation for those things a little earlier, um, just to add more, uh, musicians that are already doing stuff, uh, that thing can then go into the main live it out loud program from, um, and then, and that they know that they're working towards that. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, those are the things, those are the expansions I would love to see. And those are honestly like right when I joined, uh, you know, I took over as director. Those were things I was talking about with Stephanie about wanting to do then the pandemic hit. And so this is not <laughs> something honestly, just keeping up with, uh, you know, maintaining the program during this time has been the only thing I was able to do, especially 2020. Right. We had to redo the entire program from scratch starting in March. And, uh, we actually won. I mean, I didn't even know we were up for this, but we won an award for, for the, for the 2020 program through uh, NAM, which is national association of music merchants, uh, for innovation of education, because oh. we kept the program going. We did not cancel it. Um, we just reimagined it to being completely virtual and, um, the bands themselves, cause I think throughout the, most of the pandemic, it was like no more than five people. Right. So then there was four band members and the mentor that were allowed to get together. Um, and that was it. That was the most people that could be in the room at any given time. So it was all like right. self-recorded shows that they record themselves. We supplied some stuff to do that with, um, and uh, that was the program. You know, we did all of the workshops and stuff online through Zoom. Um, the final show was uh, uh, we had we rented a bunch of camera gear and and had them on stage at Jazzbones filming a, their full 
set and then recording all the audio and mixing it professionally. So best representation of their show possible by recorded. And then we did music mm -hmm. videos. And so that, that, yeah. So that, that whole 2020 thing won an award for innovation, uh, through the pandemic. So that, so like long story short, uh, the expansion is hopefully going to be next year. And you know, awesome. the, and the, uh, the, uh, outreach itself has done some expansion with, with, um, uh, music therapy, which is, um, we have some licensed therapists that are using, uh, specific, and I, I don't, me, the person doesn't know as much particularly about the process, but it's something that we have where uh, Stephanie's worked towards for a while to try to add to the outreaches, um, repertoire of things is being able to offer music therapy, um, through the outreach. So that's been something that's really, really cool. And I think really, really, really important to, um, to the outreach itself. So. Okay. You guys got a lot going on and I'm super impressed with all of it, <laughs> but in your copious free time, when you're not, you know, running a program, being a mentor or being a musician, what do you like to do for fun? Oh man. Uh, I, so my, my, uh, hobby life is, uh, stay at home, uh, hus husbandy person. Cause my, my partner, I'm, we're not actually married, but my, my partner is, uh, extremely busy also. She's got a full-time job and she tours as an independent musician. Um, okay. So I take care of the house a lot in my free time. Okay. Uh, but I, so I do yard work and I actually love all of that. Um, and then also I play Dungeons and Dragons. This is my other hobby. Nice. Yeah. Roll some dice with some friends. And, uh, well, so, yeah, because before we hit record, you were telling me you were live streaming, which Dungeons and Dragons, which was like I'd never heard of before, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, so I, you know, as a videographer, I have cameras, and as a musician, I have microphones. So just plug them all in, and when we play D and D, I just throw it on Twitch. I've got a stream. I don't spend a lot of time like you guys should watch my stream and like, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if any, for anyone that's ever played Dungeons and Dragons uh, as a DM, it's sometimes hard to remember what the hell you said last time. Uh, I know that's the case for me. So a lot of times the stream is just so I can remember what the heck I said in the last session. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is is like a role playing game, right? So everyone plays characters, um, right? Rolls dice to see if you hit stuff in battle, and it's a it's a very it's a it's like a the most cerebral. Um, high level board game you could possibly play. And it's largely improv improvisational, which for me as a musician, like it's all, it all translates, right? It keeps your, right. it keeps your improv, improv brain rolling. So when you're writing a song or you're working on a solo or you're just playing, like it all comes from the same place. Um, right. Or you're, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, just speaking, I have to speak a lot to people um, in my job. So especially as a DM, like, playing different characters and coming up with different dialogue and stuff like that. Um, it keeps my, keeps my brain fresh and it's just a lot of fun. It's super, super, super fun. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Last, last question. And I, well, actually I got two part, two part, two, two questions. All right. Last, last, last musical related question. Okay. Where's the coolest venue you've played in Washington state? Within, as a musician within Washington state within Washington. Yeah. Cause this is a Washington state podcast. So we're going to, all right. You can't. All right. right. Yeah. I play some, cool, play, I play some cool venues, um, in Washington state, man, that's tough. Um, as far as straight venues go, um, I mean, 
a lot of the casinos are really cool, man. Um, the, the, the setup's really nice. So Muckleshoot is an awesome stage. Emerald Queen, the first, well, I don't know about the new, I don't know if they have a new stage in there, but I know they got a new, a new complex. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I haven't been to the new complex. So the old complex had a really nice stage in there. It was set up really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the one that's really up north? Tulalip. Tulalip. That might be my favorite of the venues okay. I've played. It's okay. kind of a cop out because it's a casino, but like, it's okay. It's a cool stage. Um, well, Muckleshoot is pretty cool too. I like Muckleshoot. All right. So the flip of that is when you're in the audience, where's a great venue to see music played at? Ah, um, man. Um, well, so the new Crocodile. I have not been there yet. That's pretty awesome. Um, so I guess, okay. I mean, I technically was on the crocodile, the new crocodile stage. I did also like the old crocodile stage. My, uh, my partner played the new crocodile stage last week or two weeks ago. Um, and okay. of course I helped her set up. So I was, though I was not p- singing a song this time, which means I would have counted as coolest venue right. I played. Right. Um, right. I did help set up. So maybe that counts. It is a very okay. cool stage. It's way All bigger right. than the old crocodile stage. Like, three or four times bigger than the old crocodile stage. Um, it right. sounds really good in there. It looks really good in there. Um, currently that would be my answer. Like go, go to the crocodile. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Bucket list. Where do you want to play that you haven't played? And I'll let you go outside of Washington state for this. Where, where, <laughs> where would, where for you would be like a ridiculously cool place to perform? Man. Um, it would be cool to play. So like stage wise, uh, not really a lot of specific stuff, but location wise, I think it'd be fun to play. Okay. Actually, no, I do know what, uh, it, uh, uh, there is a festival in Leipzig, Germany. Um, I can't remember the name of the festival off the top of my head, but it's in Leipzig. Um, and it's huge goth industrial festival. And my band that I'm in has played that like three times, but just not with me in it. They played it before before I got there, but there's like 10,000 people, huge giant stage. Um, it would be fun to knock that one off the list. I haven't actually played in Germany yet. Um, uh, there have been some really cool stages I played in Russia. Um, so knocking that, that, I mean, just being able to say, like, yeah, yeah, I played in Russia. That one's already checked yeah. off. Like that one, that was pretty cool. Right. Um, getting ready to go to England next month. Um, okay. So that'll be nice to check off the list. Although I have played in England, I played in like Whitby. So I think we're doing... Mm-hmm. I think this might be closer to London. So a little bit more like UK proper. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, just anywhere right. I haven't played yet would be my, my, my answer to that question. Is your answer? All right. <laughs> yeah. I like that. All right. Now the most important question I ask a guest is, are you, are you, are you a fan of coffee? I am a fan of coffee. All right. All right. Though I have, this uh, whole interview. I have been under doctor's orders to reduce my caffeine. Your doctor's so I, a quack. I, I would know. go get a second opinion. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on the decaf. Where's there a, are some good decafs out there. Yes, there are. There really are. Um, there really are some good. You know, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But yes, there are some really good decafs. Decaf technology so, has come a long way. <laughs> yes, it really has. So where is a great place in the in the Tacoma area for me to go get coffee? Man, Anthem is my go-to. Just always a chill vibe. Um, always a. Yeah. You go to the one in Puyallup? Yeah, I do actually a lot. Um, okay, I, yeah. I, there's a lot of really cool spots to set up for like work, you know, cause they have like mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. spots around a, well, I don't know if they normally turn the fireplace on, but there is a fireplace and yep. uh, there's plugins like all the way around. So 
they you know you can just plug your computer in and work there for hours and seats are comfortable which is yeah. huge that's a great um, starbucks's are always like a little like oh, you like you feel like you're being watched if you try to work in a starbucks it's a little more cozy yeah. than most anthems <laughs> yeah all right and then the last question is what didn't i ask you that i should have asked you man i think we covered most of it <laughs> um yeah there's that, that that was that was my whole life story right there that was there we go. So you can, you can, you know, somebody asks about you now, you can go here, listen to this episode. You'll know all about me. Yeah. yeah. Hi, my name is Sky. Uh, my video is on the card. Just go listen, listen yeah. to that. Go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, Sky, thank you for, thank you for making the time to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is fun. I wish I'm super glad that you're part of the, that program and that you guys are keeping it going and helping it grow. And, you know, whole, yes, pandemic, eh, but that was out of everyone's control, but now you're, now it's back on track, if you will. And it's growing. Mm-hmm. And these kids are getting exposed to some some instruction and guidance so that they hopefully, you know, we all got to make our own mistakes. We all got to we all got to do something bad. Right. Yep. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, so. Let's just um, keep it going. And uh, I wish you guys continued success. Thank you so much. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.